Are you, like pretty much every parent of younger kids I know, looking for a smart entertainment option for your kids? Designed for kids ages six and up, Mysteries About True Histories, also known as math, how smart is that, is a weekly podcast full of time travel, puzzles, hidden equations, history, and humor. Every episode follows two best friends, Max and Molly, who work together to solve riddles and math equations during their time-traveling adventures. The series explores themes such as the stories behind math, critical thinking, code-breaking, pattern-solving, and more, all weaving humor in with education to make learning fun. Episodes drop every Thursday and are about 15 minutes, a great length for transition times during the day or a bedtime treat. Tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Welcome to the Edit Your Life Podcast. I'm Christine Coe. And I'm Asha Dornfest, and we're here to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. We share practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. And we help you take action with doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Good morning, Asha. How are you? I'm just fine. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. And, you know, I am excited to talk about food today. (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe we're sort of talking about back to school food. I really can't either because I feel, yeah, as you know, I have kind of mixed feelings. I both like am ready for school structure, but I'm also like kind of not ready to let go of summer, which is a good, good place to be, I think. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yep. I'm, I'm, I'm in a similar place and uh, I feel like that is a, that means summer has been a success for us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, so one thing we have heard repeatedly from our community, both just in general through emails, also through our productivity e-retreat, you know, part like food is really hard for people. I mean, people love to eat the food, but the mental <laughs> bandwidth around preparing it just feels so onerous for people. So. I was really thrilled to talk to Laura Fuentes about back to school food sanity. That's what I'm calling it. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's actually that's a great way to talk about it, because when you talk about the bandwidth around preparing food, you know, for I've been thinking about that myself, the bandwidth around just family mealtimes. And it's it's not the food so much as it is sort of feeding everyone. And so Laura is so I, I just feel like. I, this is a wonderful interview. She's been helping parents feed their families and she's been feeding her own family, obviously, for years. And she's been talking about just how to simplify the whole process. Um, I, I feel like there is something special about her because it's not just another meal expert sort of spouting advice, uh, mm-hmm. which we all know. I mean, sometimes some of it works very some of it doesn't. She is a real person talking about real life in the kitchen and at the table. And I think that that just makes a huge difference. Absolutely. I mean, you really, you know, yes, she is so knowledgeable about food, but you, you will hear in the interview, she has been living it like to the food therapist living it. And um, on that note, I have to say it was really amazing and sort of crazy about how deep we got into things. I, I said it during my conversation with her, but I really thought it was going to be a very tactical episode, which it is in many ways. But we got into some seriously deep psychological stuff, too. Were you surprised mm-hmm. by that? Well, I mean, you know, I guess surprised by that in just on when you first say that. But then when I really think about it, if I take another beat and think about it, I'm not surprised at all. Because mm-hmm. when I think about my own experience of feeding my own family and feeding my kids, it's such a primal thing. It's like a primal parenting thing. You know, Mm -hmm. it's this fundamental parenting job, like, you know, keeping them fed and clothed. I mean, it's so basic that uh, it is just really intense, you know? And so I feel like between that and all the weird messaging about food and health, you know, flying around in our culture, how to do it right, what you should do, what you shouldn't do, you know, and all that stuff. I just feel like family meals are bound to be a really emotional topic, you know, mm-hmm. and just really wrapped up in and pretty um, primal is the word that keeps coming up for me. Pretty primal feeling. So anyway, I guess I just really appreciate that that was something you guys addressed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. 
Well, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to launch right into our interview with Laura. She's so wonderful. And I also, before we get started, just wanted to give a little heads up that there's one little profanity in the front half of the episode when she and I are talking about picky eaters. So maybe that's not surprising. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, for the record, I completely identified with that particular moment. So, yeah, I think I think listeners will, too. Yes, indeed. All right, folks, we'll be back after a quick break. Especially in this digital age, since we're well beyond handwritten journals and letters to convey history, the preservation of stories is so important, especially from the moms and mom figures in our lives. And if you've been looking for a way to collect those stories but aren't sure how to start, I have a recommendation for you. StoryWorth makes it easy. Every week, they email a loved one of your choosing a question prompt that you pick. For example, what advice would you give your 20-year-old self? And what aspects of having children didn't turn out the way you expected? Your loved one responds to that email with a story of any length. You will receive copies of these emails as they are submitted. And after one year, StoryWorth compiles the stories and any photos provided into a keepsake book. A friend recently shared how moving it was that her mom gifted copies of her StoryWorth album to immediate family members, a genius idea for expanding the preservation and sharing of those stories to people in different households and generations. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift you'll all cherish for years, StoryWorth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com edit. That's storyworth.com edit to save $10 on your first purchase. As you know, I am all about micro-improvements, and if you'd like to dedicate a little time each day to learn a language, I have a great solution for you. Babbel is a science-backed language learning app that offers 10-minute language lessons designed to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Materials are rooted in real-life situations, so you can learn important basics such as ordering food and asking for directions. Babbel offers personalized learning content, real-time feedback, tracking, and visualizations, and their speech recognition technology helps you to improve your pronunciation and accent. No matter what level you are looking for, casual, intense, or something in between, you can enjoy app lessons, podcasts, and live classes from the comfort of your home on your schedule. Here's a special limited-time deal for Edit Your Life listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription. This is only for Edit Your Life listeners at babbel.com edit. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash edit. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash edit. Rules and restrictions may apply. Welcome, Laura. I am so excited to have you on the Edit Your Life podcast. How are you? I'm good. I am so excited to be here and share with your listeners all my back to school food tips. I know. This is so exciting. So I know you are in like this crazy transition setting. So I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me. And I would love to start out if you could just give some brief background about, you know, where you started, how you or how you came into this internet food journey and all the things that you've built in the years since. Oh my gosh. It's so funny. Like, it seems like a decade ago, literally, I didn't know how to cook food for my family. And I taught myself how to cook by watching Food Network. This is all before Pinterest and all the websites and YouTube that can just teach you how to do everything. And um, I mean, it seems like a long time ago, but it really isn't. And then I was, as I was learning to cook things for my family, I had a personal blog that I only used to share photos with my mom and my friends that lived in a, you know, across the country. So I started just sharing the recipes and things that worked for me and my picky eaters. And, um, you know, and then people, God forbid, people started coming and I was like, what, what is this thing called traffic? And people are wanting <laughs> to read my recipes, like what's happening. Um, and then I, you know, fast forward and through learning how to cook, I realized, you know, that there were many moms out there who really didn't know how to plan the food for the week for their families. And not only didn't know, but like they were busy and it can really seem like an overwhelming task when you look at, you know, your fridge is empty on Saturday night or Sunday morning and you have to go to the grocery and, you know, you just kind of like blank stare and go, okay, I'll buy the same thing I did last week because I know how to make that. And so I really started creating a process to simplify that meal planning for, you know, when you're a busy mom and a family, right? Like no one's got time to look through, even though I have four cookbooks, like no one's got time to sit down and just peruse and build their 
their weekly plans that way. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just wrote it down into, you know, I have a business background in economics, so I'm very process oriented. And, you know, to date, like nine years later, I still use the same process that I did back when. And I'm so happy to share it. And then, of course, you know, along the way, um, I started creating recipes online and I auditioned for Food Network and I went on Food Network and I won. And then that taught taught me that I could do videos. So then I launched a YouTube channel in 20, gosh, 15. And I started making videos and I just really started sharing the recipes that worked for my family and the stories about my picky eaters and So um, really, I mean, it really stemmed from teaching myself how to cook and showing that process to other parents out there. And so I launched my business, Mamables, in 2012, which is a meal planning company. And then I still kept my personal blog, laurafuentes.com, which is sort of like the lifestyle of and, and food of, you know, a busy mom. Like how people ask me all the time, like, how do you do it? So that's why I kept two sites separate because one's really a business and a meal planning company. And then the other one is just like, here's how I do it, guys. You know, really simple. Right, right. Well, I want to get to meal planning in just a second. But first, I kind of want to ask you something a little more big picture. And, you know, you were queuing this up actually just a second ago saying how people feel so overwhelmed. And that is for sure something that Asha and I hear a lot from our listeners is they just feel like mealtime is onerous, you know. It's just a lot of work to manage it. And people love eating the food, but the planning, the prep, the brain space associated with it is just so hard for people. So I would love to hear if you have any kind of big picture framing or advice just to kind of help people start to feel happy about food again. Yeah, that is such a great question because, you know, right before we started recording, you know, I I briefly mentioned all the things that I have going on in my personal life, right? And you're like, wow, that sounds like a lot. Like, and to me, that's just life, right? You know, like, there, you know, we pack our calendars with our to-dos and our activities and our kids' things. And it's almost like, basically, we, we choose how we divide up our time. And what happens is that people often feel the overwhelm because they look at how much time they have left in their day. And they're like, oh my gosh, I've got to cook, you know, three meals a day plus snacks. And there's seven days a week, that's 21 meals. Like immediately you just go to this place of like, oh, that's Mm -hmm. just so much, right? And so I literally, you know, I I like to look at things big picture. So I'm like, you know, uh, and which I'm going to really hopefully get the chance to explain to your listeners how to do that. But really it's like anything else, you know, we just sort of, as moms, we often, or parents and people, we power through our week and we go like, okay, you wake up Monday morning and you're like, this is what I've got to do today right? And then you just get that stuff done. And then if you don't get it done, you're like, okay, well, some of this stuff can be to move to tomorrow. I look at food really similarly. That's why I don't get overwhelmed because it's just like, you know what? Recipes are just things in my to-do list. There's a, the ingredients are the little tasks that go in there. Mm. And so, you know, it's just really about mentally repositioning what you think about meal planning and the food that your family eats. And at the end of the day, I tell people, eat more colorful foods and eat what makes you happy. So, you know, honestly, like we all love pizza, but after 20 minutes, if you eat pizza every day, you're not going to feel happy or good about yourself. Right. So eat more of the foods that not only do they taste good, but at the end of the day, you're like, you know what? I feel really good about what I ate today. Mm -hmm. You know, there's all pluses and minuses, you know, like, you know, we all cheat, you know, like for me, it's like chocolate at the end of the night or whatever, but you know what? Like I did pretty good today. So I like pat myself on the back and like move on. So there's a lot of, you know, to eliminate the overwhelm, I feel like start from a place of like happiness and just think you have the opportunity to like choose what you're going to eat. You know, we're not eating rice and beans. Most of us every day, because that's all we have, or that's all that the government rationed to us. So again, it's positivity and gratitude, even with food. I think that's wonderful. And I love the idea of um, just flipping the script a little bit instead of looking at like, oh, what are we going to eat? Like, what do I want to eat? And like, let's put it on the plan and um, and integrating it into your process in the week to make it just like, you know, another thing on your to do list instead of a big onerous thing. I love that. Well, let's talk about meal planning. okay? because, you know, so many of our listeners, they want (laughs) to love meal planning, but they hate it. (laughs) 
<laughs> and you are a meal right. planning boss. Um, and you mentioned Momables. We will link it up so people could find what we're talking about. But I just was wondering if you could share some really simple wisdom on how to take the stress out of planning, other than, you know, buying your plans, of course, which are awesome. But just, um, you know, it's just some simple basics to get people started. Yeah. So the basics are, okay, let's just get, get this really over with. Keep it simple. Mm-hmm. If you're just a person that's got like chickens in the backyard and you're like, okay, I have like 24 eggs a week, then obviously incorporate those things in other, you know, in throughout dinners and breakfast or lunch. You know what I mean? You got a lot of chicken because it goes on sale a lot. Like just keep it really simple. Okay. Uh, meal planning does not have to be, it's not going like going to a restaurant and having a full menu. That's what Pinterest and the internets and all the food bloggers, that's what they want us to believe that every day it's like a new adventure or like going to a new restaurant. Well, the reality is that I have got three kids. I know your listeners have kids. Like that would be ideal, but eventually you just kind of want to eat some things that are easy, that are simple, fast, and fresh. So what the biggest tip is for you to think about or your listeners, um, the three main recipes. Yes, I know the week has seven days, but if you're just overwhelmed and you find yourself eating the exact same thing Monday through Sunday, okay, seven days a week, I want you to pick three recipes, three different things. Maybe there's something that you've been wanting to make that you have saved in a Pinterest board or whatever. Just pick three things, okay? And you, you, those are your three main dinners for the week. What you're going to do is look at, you know what, which one of these three, how many, two of these, which ones would I mind not mind eating twice? Mm-hmm. So then two of those, you're going to double or make just a larger serving per se. That is your revamped leftover night. So basically Monday is new recipe. Tuesday, maybe a new year recipe. Wednesday, you revamp something from Monday, mm-hmm. right? Thursday, you're going to revamp something, or maybe you'll do new recipe number three. Friday, you revamp. Saturday is all about cleaning out your fridge. So in all reality, meal planning is just eating maybe at a most basic level, three new recipes a week mm-hmm. for dinner. That's kind of like dinner. I think it's like the biggest overwhelm for parents or people because you're just getting home from work or activities. And you're just exhausted and almost like your brain doesn't work. So that's why I say, keep it simple. Take 10 minutes on the weekend and find three things you want to eat. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a great tip is just, I mean, even just going, hello, math, like going from seven to three, <laughs> way less overwhelming. <laughs> totally. So, and and I, you know, Asha is always saying like breakfast for dinner, perfectly acceptable. And I'm a big totally. fan. Yeah, I'm a big fan of like the big, um, like I call it the nibble platter, which is just all yes. sorts of remnants and fresh produce and cheese and whatever from the fridge and just pull it all out and put it on a board. And all of a sudden it looks really appealing. <laughs> totally. I mean, Instagram or Pinterest is full of like, you know, these charcuterie boards and what yes. really is, is like you dump your stuff and you put it on there, you know, but honestly, like you said, like the seven to three, it's really all about making that family meal task, like less big, just bring it down to the most basic level. Now, another thing that really helps a lot of our, um, a lot of my readers with meal planning, if you're not like, Oh, that's three new things. So you can take option B, which is create a theme night. Mm -hmm. So it's, do you remember like in high school or middle school, I'm sure your kids too, like they have like that spirit week where like Monday's crazy hair Mm -hmm. day, Mm -hmm. Tuesday is tie dye day. Right. So they really basically what they're doing is like putting a theme or a parameter around that day. So then all you got to do is worry about the hair one day. All you have to do is find a tie dye t-shirt one day. Right. So what I tell my readers and, you know, everyone that always asks the easiest way, if you, if the three new recipes doesn't work for you, the other technique is to create theme nights. So Monday is meatless. Tuesday, maybe taco. Definitely taco Tuesday. Definitely tacos. Yeah, of course. We'll talk, we'll talk more in a minute. <laughs> Wednesday, you know, it's the middle of the week. You're just basically t- trying to get through hump day. Let the slow cooker do the work for you. Mm-hmm. Thursday, you're going to revamp some kind of leftover from Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday. Friday, again, it could be simple like the charcuterie board or um, breakfast for dinner or pizza. Like Friday, I just basically is like give yourself a break from the week, right? 
Saturday, clean out your fridge kind of thing, you know, boil pasta and throw stuff on it. Um, and then Sunday is like the beginning. Like I also take Sunday as the opportunity to like prep. So my mm-hmm. Sunday supper becomes like a lot of our lunches for the week. But basically the option B is to create a theme. Just think that meal planning is like spirit week every week and you can actually have a lot more fun. Okay. This is like a totally new like framing. And I already have like an idea for how I want to share about that on Pinterest, but well, I not Pinterest, Instagram, <laughs> but th- that is just awesome. I love it. Well, tag me on it because of I will course it's your idea. So <laughs> it's going to be featuring you. Um, okay. Well, listen, you mentioned picky eaters at the front end and you have like a lot of awesome resources on picky eaters on your website. So I will link to that, but I was wondering if you have some key tips for parents dealing with this problem, because it's, it's so many of us, you know, I actually, I'm now out of that zone, but it's, it's so many parents I know. No, totally. And even the thing is, is that we all go through phases, even as adults. So, um, it, it can be really challenging to cook for your picky eaters, especially when you're like, oh my gosh, like they just ate, um, fish up until two months ago. And now I'm like, we don't ever eat fish anymore. And so like fish night is out or, you know, or broccoli or some parents can't even get their kids to um, try anything. And so we actually, um, I, just to give you guys a background, I spent um, seven years with my middle son in eating, feeding therapy Mm. and my uh, child psychologist. So we went to some type of specialist once a week for almost seven years um, because I felt like, I mean, I learned just as much as him, but it's a lot about reframing. And so um, we actually, at Momables, we actually have an entire course to help parents navigate through that picky eater season and how to make happier mealtimes. So a lot of it is not just about getting our kids to eat the food. It's about how do we create an environment that welcomes the openness to try something by eliminating the pressure. Mm-hmm. So. What I mean by that is like, you know, oftentimes we're like, come on, can you just try it? I mean, it's delicious. Look at your brother. He's eating it. He's, look, at, look, look how much he loves it. Or what you just ate it the other day. So all of these things are just, they're kind of like almost like auto replies that come out without thinking, you know, because they're like to us as adults, we're like, um, duh, hello. Right. I mean, you just ate this like last week. Now you don't right. want it. Or to us, like we, we taste something and we're like, this stuff is delicious. Like that recipe totally was amazing. But then your kid's like sitting at the table, arms crossed, crying, throwing a tantrum, totally refusing to try it or eat it. And you're like, I mean, can I be candid? Like I've lost my shit at the table like so many times Mm -hmm. years ago, you know? And I was like, and then, you know, something I learned in therapy is like, it's not about my kid. It's really a lot about me. And so um, I just focus on um, creating an environment that is welcoming for kids to try something, right? Um, so that's like the biggest thing. And then the second thing, of course, is to, which we all want these tips, right? Um, besides hiding food in like muffins or cupcakes, that's all good. But at the end of the day, it doesn't teach them how to eat broccoli or something. Mm-hmm. Um, it's to um, recreate that food in a way that they're already familiar with. Um, oh, yeah. And enjoy it. So, like, for example, Every, you know, a lot of kids love chicken nuggets um, because they just sort of love like the shape, the texture, the, um, the, the interaction with the food. I mean, obviously I still like chicken nuggets, but anyway, that's besides the point. Um, so you can recreate a vegetable into almost like nuggets. Um, so, you know, like you can have cauliflower bites or broccoli nuggets, or are they time Uh, you know, like, does it take time? Yes. But honestly, that's like another thing that if your child is older than six or seven, they can help you create a lot of these recipes. Mm -hmm. Um, It is a myth that if they make it, they'll eat it. I'm sorry to burst the bubble. Um, (laughs) I I just, I cannot stand that advice. Like that goes around like these, you know, pig eater specialists on the internet, because I'm sorry, I spent seven years in therapy and no, if you if they help make it, they don't eat it. But they're happy to help because our kids feel um, proud of their contribu- contribution to what we're doing. So getting them to help us make food, wash it, rinse it, put it away, um, given that we ask them in a nice way, 
Right. Um, it's, it actually makes them feel proud of what they contribute to our family, mm-hmm. but it's, it takes a long time for them to feel like, Hey, I've been handling broccoli and nothing happened. You know, like my son's been washing and trimming broccoli for a long time now, and he still does not eat it, but he knows how to, but now I feel like, well, that's just part of life skills, yep. right? Like mm-hmm. he knows how to, when the day comes that he decides to eat broccoli because he's 17 and starving, um, you know what? He knows how to prep it. So I think it's taking a step back with picky eaters and seeing what it's not just about getting them to eat the food, but um, getting them to contribute because if there's a lot of learning to be, you know, for later life skills. And then the last thing is self-serve meals, um, like taco bars, loaded baked potatoes. I think it's really easy for parents to, for us to like um, serve our kids food onto the plate for them. But what that does, because, you know, they're messy and um, they'll like overload on the sauce or whatever. Right. Like, okay. But the thing is, is that when we serve our kids, given they're, you know, old enough to serve or help themselves a little, um, we're actually removing the control that they have over their food or we're feeding themselves. And a lot of the mealtime battles, it really is just control over one thing that they know they can control, which is what they put in their mouth. So interactive food, um, deconstructed meals, um, build your own are super great meals. So if you have picky eaters, find two or three recipes a week that can be just basically like, you know, make made into a bar at the kitchen. Like you don't have to bring it all to the table or you could. Yeah. I think this is fabulous. And I'm still, my mind is still turning on your um, phrasing about making it like making mealtimes a welcoming environment for kids like that. I don't think I've ever heard that before. And it's also when you were talking about all the pressure that those little comments, you know, they're just like little reflexive comments that we make about how much pressure that puts on kids. Like that's a totally real thing. And I also wanted to recommend that one of the best, you know, for parents to take pressure off themselves. I think one of the best pieces of pieces of advice I got when I was when my kids were really little was, listen, your job is not to shove food down your kid's throat. Like that's just not going to work. Your job is just to give them healthy options and just keep putting them out there, you know? And I, I think that took the pressure off and I would really recommend people like take the pressure off yourself, take the pressure off your kids. Yeah. And honestly, going back to what you said about like the little comments, this is, this is going to sound really, um, for, I think a lot of people are going to have a light bulb moment just right now. When I tell you that these little mini comments are no different than the way we talk to ourselves when we look at ourselves in the mirror or throughout the day. Mm. So if you're the person that gets dressed in the morning and go like that muffin top over my jeans, Oh, gotta get to the gym that I'm like, Oh, my hair is such a frizzball. Like, you know, go on and on. Or like, maybe you didn't get a project or a bid from work or whatever. I'm such a loser. Or like, I should have done better. Or like, it's the tiny negative self talk that we practice throughout the day that truly comes out at mealtimes. Now I am far from perfect. And like I, you know, I admitted earlier, I lose it. You know, like every parent, Mm -hmm. but I have noticed um, from investing a lot in my parenting therapy, um, that I used to do that a lot more, you know, the, that the things that we do, you know, it's just, it's, it's practice and it's a behavior that becomes ingrained on ourselves, you know, like, Oh, I didn't make the gym. I totally suck today. So mm-hmm. oh, I didn't get to make the vegetables. I'm a bad mom. Or like, I didn't do a good job for dinner because there's no vegetables or like, Oh, my kid didn't eat X, Y, and Z, or the stir fry was a loss because my kids didn't eat it. No. You went out, you got food that is reasonable and healthy and is the best choices for your family. You provided healthy options. You went out and made it. You served it at the table. So you did a great job already. Mm-hmm. That's where your job ends. That's it. Yep. The rest for them to eat it, that is their job, their, their, their option, right? That is, that's where we pass the torch. And so a lot of parents really take in um, this negativity towards mealtimes, it's almost like they, it's like a scorecard where they grade themselves with, based on whether their kid ate it or not. You should grade yourself whether or not the food made it to the table. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I my mind is like seriously blown, Laura, I got to say, because I was imagine I did not imagine we were going to get deep and philosophical on a topic <laughs> on the food topic. So this Sorry. is kind of no, it's amazing. It's it's like my mind is blown. And listen, we have a lot more to discuss. We're actually going to talk about back to school specifically, but we're going to do that after a quick break. Understood is a resource I have recommended for many years to parents looking for support with learning and thinking differences such as ADHD, dyslexia, and more. And I'm subsequently excited to tell you about their podcast, Understood Explains. This season, the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. They cover topics such as how to tell if your child needs an IEP, common myths about special education, and the difference between IEPs and 504 plans. I love how Understood Explains breaks down the overwhelm by unpacking an important topic each season and then drilling down further into key basics in each episode. Most episodes are between 10 to 15 minutes, and episodes are available in both English and Spanish. So fantastic, right? To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains wherever you get your podcasts. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Do you struggle with boundaries and the general complexities of peopling? Relationships are necessary to our well-being, and some relationships are just, well, complicated. A good chunk of the work I have done in therapy centers on relationships, how to own my part of the story, how to let go of relationships that are toxic, and how to navigate challenging relationships in a way that doesn't drain me. And all of this work helps me show up better for myself and also as a partner, mom, friend, family member, and business owner. If you're thinking of starting therapy, check out BetterHelp. This online therapy platform was designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Find your social sweet spot with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash edit today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash edit. Okay, friends, we're back with Laura Fuentes, and we are having just the most unreal, deep and philosophical conversation about food. My mind is blown. Hi, Laura. Welcome back. <laughs> I'm still here, you guys. I hope you um, guys are still here. <laughs> I, they, they are still here. Um, well, so on this back half of the episode, I want to talk about back to school because tis the season. And, you know, I want to talk about breakfast. I would love to hear if you have any favorite hacks for getting kids excited to eat a good breakfast so, you, so they have the energy to do their thing at school. So first of all, I'm going to just tell you if you're listening and you're the cereal family, because that's all you can get out the door like four days a week. That's okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Like, I'm not promoting cereal. I'm just saying that I don't want you to feel bad about the breakfast that you provide because of the tips that I'm going to give following up. So if cereal is what you can do to get the kids out the door and on time to either the bus or school and get yourself together, you've, you've got that. All right. So having said that, um, my kids, we're not really a cereal house for breakfast. So I've had to get really creative for no other reason that my kids just don't like a lot of milk mm-hmm. or they like dry cereal. So, um, over the last many years, I've gotten very creative with breakfast. Um, and so a lot of times I make a lot of things the night before things like, um, overnight oats, I can make a huge mm. batch for the week. And, you know, you've all, you guys have all seen the cute little jars of overnight oats on Pinterest, you know, single serve. Okay. So I literally, that's just for the photo of Pinterest. I don't, when, you know, that takes a lot of fridge space. Um, there are five people in my house. So that for, if I make a batch of three for three days, that's like, okay, 15 jars. Where do I fit that? Number one. So what I do is um, with overnight oats or things, you know, of that matter is I just put in a big container. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you make the whole batch in one container and there, everybody has overnight oats without cooking them. Um, I also make like a big fruit salad for the week. Mm -hmm. Um, or I say for the week, but it often doesn't last more than three days. So like berries and apples and like, I just cut all that stuff up and that's a job that your kids can do. So it's not more work for you. Um, and honestly, another tip is like, if you don't have time for, um, cutting out fruits and veggies, 
go to the freezer section. And then, you know, that mixed berry bag for smoothies. Well, that works too. Dump that in a bowl. It'll thaw out. Yes. They're a little watery and mushy, but like just add some fresh apples to it. And then you got almost like berry juice on your apples. Like my kids kind of love that. Or you can drizzle a little honey over the top and now it makes like a natural syrup. Okay. So again, that's like the night before I cook a big container of eggs. So usually about 18 eggs and that lasts us like three days. Um, I just scramble them with cheese and then everybody can, you know, like eat that on the, on the go. Um, or I just heat and serve. Um, so there's just so many things that you can make ahead of time. And then, so basically you're heating stuff up where like you're heating up and toasting your bread, you know, mm-hmm. for example, um, if you have specialty diets, like I know a lot of listeners have kids with allergies, you know, you already know that making stuff ahead of time is like a lifesaver. Um, so literally like for me, breakfast is no different than any other meal. Like my kitchen after dinner looks like it, like everything exploded most of the time, even though I try to clean up as I go, I really try to, um, take advantage of that time and let, um, you know, keep making it messy. So I prep breakfast when dinner is like all a disaster. Um, so that's breakfast, you know, simple, make ahead in bulk. I think my free breakfast is like Costco in my free, in my fridge. <laughs> I love that. And I hadn't thought about scrambling eggs. Um, we do a lot of hard boiled eggs around here, but I hadn't thought about just scrambling and cooking them and just having them in a container ready to go. So I love that idea. Yeah. They really don't change texture unless you freeze them. So yeah. Interesting. Okay. Let's hit on the dreaded lunch making. Um, Oh yeah. Favorite tips, tricks, products, whatever, to make it less dreaded. I mean, other than having your kids help make, which I think is an essential. <laughs> Right. Um, so, okay. So remember how I earlier I mentioned that Sunday is like, you know, my meal prep for the week or Sunday supper, whatever. Um, say I often buy a rotisserie chicken mm-hmm. and I take that rotisserie chicken. I make chicken salad. I make, um, from, ch- so if it's a chicken salad week, I make chicken salad from that rotisserie chicken on Sunday night. Um, and now I have like rotisserie uh, chicken salad five different ways. So you can make it on top of a salad, you can make it into a wrap, you can make it into like cold quesadillas, you can make it inside um, lettuce cups. As a matter of fact, if you guys go on, you know, I'm going to self-promote here for a second, but youtube.com slash mamables, there's an entire um, playlist of videos with lunch ideas that literally takes one ingredient like ham or hard-boiled eggs, like you, you make a lot, or turkey or hummus, whatever it is that your family likes, and I show you how to turn that into five different lunches. OMG. So, <laughs> so it doesn't look repetitive, right? So like, if you're like, I'm going to buy it. If you're like a Sam's Club or Costco person, you're like, I'm buying the 16 ounce tub of hummus. What do I do with it besides dipping? I've got five different lunches for you that don't feel repetitive. Or, you know, so you can take one main ingredient and make it four different ways without a lot of mental effort. That so is I've got amazing. Videos. You should link that. I am um, going to link so that. Anyway, that is incredible. <laughs> so anyway, that is my my prep for lunch making. A lot of sandwiches, if they don't have fresh veggies, you can freeze them. So if your kids, are, if you've got a turkey and cheese kid or ham and cheese kid, and you're like, you know what, I've tried, but he just does or she does not deviate, then make a whole loaf and freeze them. Mm-hmm. I stick them frozen in the lunchbox. You don't need a, an ice pack. They thaw mm. out by lunch. Mm-hmm. And there it is. Um, I think we're pickier than our kids are. So honestly, like kids see all the kids eating a sandwich and they just eat the sandwich and there's nothing wrong with it. You know, yeah. so that's another tip. Um, compartmentalized containers are really helpful. Um, you know, I can send you a link to the ones I like. And, um, you know, they just have different compartments that you can divide up the food and it helps kids, you know, feel like they have, you know, like a variety of food, right? Right, right. Um, the other lunch option is thermos. Invest in a thermos. They're like $10 at Target or whatever. Um, I mean, on Mamables, I have like, you know, the best thermos. I also have videos that compares thermoses depending on your child's age and what they do. Um, so a thermos container is the way for them to take leftovers. Mm-hmm. If your kid loves hot meals, I mean, who doesn't love a hot lunch? you can totally um, basically 
will heat up food in a thermos and they can take it to work. I mean, to school. I mean, I take it to work too, but they can take it to school. So the, a thermos is a great investment. Wow. Amazing. Okay. I'm, I'm going to have to do a lot of linking. This is exciting. Um, <laughs> okay. So <laughs> I want to no, it's, it's amazing. They're just, I can't wait to check out the playlist. All right. I want to talk about dinner. Um, one of the most challenging things, as we know, with back to school season is dinner, because if you're dealing with school and then evening activities and sports and whatever, it's crazy. Um, so I would love to hear some recommendations and we need to talk about your taco Tuesday cookbook girl. <laughs> oh, sure. Um, so dinner. Okay. So besides all the pointers that I told you earlier, um, with meal planning, one of the things that parents often tell me is that, you know, meal planning is great, but the reality is that we don't all eat dinner together mm. or I don't, you know, or our schedule is so hectic. And I just want you guys that are listening to get that idea of like the 1950s family dinner every night where like the meal is ready when everybody gets home and everybody sits down. Like the reality is that's just probably not happening for most of the people. Okay. So it really, family dinners are important, but they don't have to happen at seven o'clock when dad gets home or a lot of family of our families. Like I tell them just use a slow cooker on, you know, and, and, or help yourself, or it's okay to cook the food the night before or ahead of time and just heat it up. Mm -hmm. The key word is that you're cooking and making food, Mm -hmm. not the fact that you're heating it up. All right. So, um, a lot of my family, I'm like, so half the kids can eat at four 30 before they go to soccer or whatever. And then the other half can eat, you know, and then dad gets still he eats that meal at seven when he gets home. And then when at seven o'clock, when everybody's back and dad's eating, the kids can have that normal, like four 30 snack. They can just have it at night. There mm-hmm. is no rule that you have to eat dinner at a certain time and your snack, right. When you get home from school, I actually, I mean, this was very liberating for me, um, a couple of years ago, cause we had activities starting at 45 all the way to seven o'clock. And I was mm-hmm. like, uh, my kids at three 30, when they got home from school, they were starving. So I just served them dinner at three 30 in the afternoon. Yeah. And then when they got back, I served them the afternoon snack before bed, which is actually, you know, it helps your digestion to not eat so much hours before bed, but that's besides the point. So I want a lot of parents to just rethink that it doesn't have to be this like structure. Mm-hmm. There's a snack when you get home from school, then there's dinner. No, like serve dinner and then do a snack at night. You know, um, it really is whatever goes and fits your family. If you've never done that, try it out. Um, swap, swap the the three, you know, swap the three thirty snack for like dinner, you know, and if you're, if you're a parent that works and don't get home until later, then obviously that may not be, um, an option, but you could just heat up something that you made or meal prepped on Sunday. Right. Right. That's wonderful. I think that approach and that kind of like um, giving, giving people the permission to just take the pressure off is so huge. And I love that that's a recurring theme. And I will say, and it's not just because I think your cookbook is awesome, the Taco Tuesday cookbook, but really tacos, that's like our go-to if we, you can just put anything in them. They're so quick. <laughs> so I have I know, to put I've it, seen I, your tacos. I know Instagram. I gotta, I gotta put a plug in for tacos for, for dinner. Okay. Yeah, definitely. On Tuesdays, well, sometimes, I mean, like my son says, every night is Taco Tuesday. It's true. Um, if, you, if you live with me. Um, but, or sometimes on Tuesdays, I'm like, I serve something else and my son's like, but it's Taco Tuesday. I'm like, um, we just ate tacos like Monday. <laughs> you know, so, um, you know, really, I, I, what I love about that cookbook in particular is that a lot of the stuff is not things that you would um, normally cook on tacos. I just, it's just like, other meals that were successful with my kids. And I served it in a taco. Mm -hmm. And another thing going slightly back to picky eating. um, Those are the recipes that, you know, I worked for many years with a therapist. And so one of the deconstructed meals that was interactive and handheld, um, and that gave my kid a lot of independence over their food was tacos. So Mm -hmm. when I, so, but from, you know, like they're just, I would just deconstruct any of the recipes that you see in that book. So um, they're very picky eater friendly, not because it's made with like white looking ingredients, you know, it's because they have the authority to fill their tortilla 
and make a choice on what they're putting in there and therefore in their mouth. So um, tacos are really a great vessel to introduce new foods um, to picky eaters. Yeah. And I have to say, it is occurring to me that Jane Maynard and I talked about this. We were talking about, I think, sort of meal meal planning for normal people. And we were talking about how awesome, you know, it is to explore different foods from different cultures. We were talking specifically about um, like tacos and then also Korean food because it helps if you have gluten issues because there's not a lot of, you know, uh, there's not a lot of flour products. So it's it's kind of awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Every taco recipe in my book. It can be made or is gluten-free yeah. for that reason. And also keto or low carb. So, I mean, I super easy. It's got it all. All right, Laura, this has been amazing. And I just have one last question I want to ask you. At the end of each show, Asha and I close with what we call your next edit, which is a super simple, tangible action people can take. So I would love to hear what your next edit is in the context of our conversation today. So. Okay. So if you are, we've gotten this far in the podcast and you're sort of inspired to meal plan and kind of like, you know, plan out your meals and get quote more organized this back to school. I want you to go to your freezer and I want you to really look at it and find two things that you've been meaning to cook. Could be like a frozen pork roast that you just kind of bought on sale and there it is. Mm -hmm. It could be like a big bag of chicken that it was on sale at um, Costco or Sam's Club. Like whatever it is, maybe it's like, you know, you got, you got super organized and you made like a slow cooker meal or freezer meal and it's still in that gallon size Ziploc. So I just want you to go to your freezer. I want you to look at it and pull out two ingredients or two meal builders for this upcoming week. And with those two things, I want you to find two recipes online that you may want to try. Okay. So now number one, you got to, you're cooking through your freezer and number two, you're practicing this um, approach of simplifying meal planning, which is find two new things a week. And then, you know, everything else, like you can make the same things you were making last week is totally okay. Okay. Pat yourself on the back, but just go to your freezer and get two ingredients that you want to cook. And so that helps you rotate your food, but it's really, um, it'll get you started on meal planning and just looking at food as um, a creative space. I love that so much. I'm a big fan of the freezer cleanout, so that's awesome. Laura, I cannot thank you enough uh, for taking the time, yes, but also in the middle of such epic craziness and moving and reconstruction. So I really appreciate your taking the time, and it was just such a joy to talk to you today. I'm so excited, and again, thank you for the opportunity to share all the things that I've learned over the last over the you know last decade, which makes me kind of feel old. But um, <laughs> with your listeners, because you know I fine tune every week as I go, and um, for me, it's just an exciting opportunity to be able to share that. So thank you so much. You're welcome. Wonderful. Take care, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Okay, Asha, I am so eager to hear your thoughts. Uh, I have to say just quickly, I love how this interview gives permission and will make parents of picky eaters feel better about classic advice that just doesn't work. (laughs) I thought I loved how direct she was about that. Me too. Wasn't that just so refreshing to hear? I mean, (laughs) I am the mother of two, shall we say, selective eaters. Love it. And so I totally appreciated her her straight talk. I mean, it was just really grounded in respect, not just for parents, but also for kids. I mean, you know, I don't think anyone uh, particularly wants to be picky. And so I feel like she acknowledges that and acknowledges the fact that that, you know, it's a complex situation for for everyone. Um, Mm -hmm. I I think for me, well, she said something that I actually wrote down, which I found pretty profound. And that was when she asked the question. How do we create an environment that welcomes the openness to try something by eliminating the pressure? Mm-hmm. I mean, that to me is key. And mm-hmm. yet it's so hard to do. It is so hard to like zip it when you're just wanting to say, but just give it a try. But it's so good. You know what I mean? I I do that all the time because I love food. I want my kids to love food. And so I end up unwittingly pressuring them. Um So uh, the other thing I actually really love that she said, uh, which has sort of been true in my own life, is that she calls it the picky season. You know, Mm -hmm. she calls kids who are finicky, you know, they're in the picky season. And that really implies that it's temporary and it's 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 a period of time. And that has been the case. And, you know, I've seen that play out in my own family. 
Yeah, well, so uh, just looping back to the sort of openness and pressure comment, I, I loved that so much. I mean, I just, as you said, it was just tremendously profound. Uh, and then two other quick things. One, I want to remember to mention so I can remember to link it up. But um, I think by the time this episode goes live, um, I will have also published a post on Boston Mamas called something like five steps to not making your kids school lunch anymore. So <laughs> this is part of my life skills series. In fact, I think it's the last post. And uh, I just, you know, like I know parents are really fed up with the school lunch thing. So I wanted to mention that. And then also back to the interview, not surprisingly, I got really excited when she was talking about Food Spirit Week because, (laughs) hey, once a marching band nerd, always a marching band nerd. (laughs) Hey, I'm a marching band nerd, so I'm with you on that. (laughs) Okay, wait. So, Asha, you were a flag girl, right? Uh Uh-huh. Okay, not the kind of flag girl you're, you're thinking. Are you thinking those big, tall flags? Yeah, that's what I did. See, there there are other kinds of smaller flags. Okay, so we're well, different only, kind of flag girls. Yeah, well, I'm only bringing it up because I'm now issuing a photo challenge, uh, a throwback <laughs> photo challenge right here. So I'm going to just leave it at that and let us get back to the episode. But I kind of love that idea. Okay, just you wait. Just you wait. Um, well, that's something to look forward to, isn't it? <laughs> that and the show notes, of course, which you will find including links to resources we've mentioned, plus lots of great related episodes at edityourlifeshow.com. And as ever, we love chatting with you on the internet. And this week, we'd love to know, what's your family's favorite easy breakfast, lunch, or dinner meal right now? Hop over to facebook.com slash edityourlifeshow and look for the question of the week into the top of the page or chat with us on Instagram at edityourlifeshow. Thanks for listening. Well, hey there, Busy Mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and, more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests, too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free.